Welcome back, everyone, to episode 28 of Life and Lit. This week, we are switching it up and going with a thriller book by Ruth Ware, the It Girl. And this was a good one because Paige and I were both texting each other as we were reading and shouting out our theories. So we're excited about that. And we're ready to dive into the It Girl by Ruth Ware. I'm Sydney. And I'm Paige. And this is Life and Lit. Every time we do our intro now, I think of that one time that you messed it up. And I'm like, is she going to say her own name? Is she going to be right this time? Right. I think about that too. I was like, I, I have to concentrate a little like hard to say my own name. It's kind of embarrassing. That is kind of embarrassing. You just put it out there for the world. So we're leaving this in. All right, everybody. <laughs> I'm Paige. I can get it right. You haven't had coffee yet, to be fair. Today, exactly. So. Yes. Thank you. That is my yeah. excuse. Yes. So I like this book. I've read two other books by Ruth Ware, and she is a solid thriller writer. Like, both of her others were enjoyable. This one was enjoyable. It kept you going, like wanting to turn the page and wanting to test out your theories and find out what happened. So I definitely think that she has that genre down pat. Yeah, absolutely. This is my first book by Ruth Ware. I've been wanting to read her books forever, but they're just, you know, never available at the library or, you know, I, I, been trying to make a dent in my already very high to be read pile so just kind of been put on the back burner but I was very excited when we settled on this one and it did not disappoint I thought it was really good yeah it reminded me a little bit of some of the Lucy Foley books that we've done just with the like group setting yes yeah that's a good point And she weaves that in through a lot of her books. Like one of the ones I read takes place on a bachelorette party, which they call a Hindu over there. The stag and the hen. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so much better. Um, So it takes place over there on a bachelorette party. And then one is like during a college or high school class reunion. So she's really a master at getting – the group of people in a kind of odd setting or a weird dynamic and then something terrible happening. So yeah, she wrote one by one, right? Yes. That Yeah. That's on my list. Yes. Well, maybe we'll do that one later. Cause she's mm-hmm. very, I've listened, I think to all of them as I do and they're good audiobooks in that way is because and the narrator helps, obviously, but you want to keep listening. And it's like, if you're home alone and you're listening to this creepy kind of book, it gives mm. a good vibe. So yeah. She's definitely good at that. Maybe we'll um, do one in October for spooky yes, season. That would be fun. That would be good. Well, before we get in too deep, um, I will let you do the book summary or the yes. plot summary. Yeah, this one just came straight from book cover one because I'm lazy and two because it was a solid (laughs) summary. 
So this is The It Girl by Ruth Ware. April Clark Cliveden was the first person Hannah Jones met at Oxford. Vivacious, bright, occasionally vicious, and the ultimate it girl, she quickly pulled Hannah into her dazzling orbit. Together, they cultivated a group of devoted and inseparable friends, Will, Hugh, Ryan, and Emily, during their first term. By the end of the year, April was dead. Now, a decade later, Hannah and Will are expecting their first child, and the man convicted of killing April, former Oxford reporter John Neville, has died in prison. Hannah is relieved to finally put the past behind her, but a world is rocked when a young journalist comes knocking and presents new evidence that Neville may have been innocent. As Hannah reconnects with old friends and delves deeper into the mystery of April's death, she realizes that the friends she thought she knew all have something to hide, including a murder. Very good. That is like a perfect sum up where it doesn't, yeah, it just got it all very succinctly and nicely. Yeah, I almost uh, messed up several times, so hopefully. <laughs> well, I think it sounded fine. <laughs> I had to you... really concentrate the coffee thing, I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, I would not be doing this at 7 a.m. without coffee, which is 7 a.m. my time. It's 8 a.m. Yes. But I was like, absolutely must have yeah. coffee for this. I'm having my favorite coffee after. I'm excited, but I should have. I should have pre-gamed the caffeine for sure. <laughs> Just in a little hit. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's a great summary. If we have your attention and you want to go read it, it was just released in July. Like, this is a brand new book by Ruth Ware. So we kind of jumped on it. Um, we've been pretty good about that recently, actually. But yeah, uh, go ahead, press pause. Go grab a copy from the library, from your local bookstore, read it, and come back. Otherwise, if thrillers aren't your thing and you kind of want to listen in and see if you want to give Ruth Ware a try, uh, just keep listening. But this is our official spoiler alert before our deep dive into the plot. And there will be spoilers because, like we've said, this is a thriller and kind of a whodunit. So we're yeah. going to get deep and I into just, all of our ideas. Yeah. I just want to put it out there that I was right. Um, I guess. <laughs> I guess who it was, and I never, I never really try to do that. I like the surprise, but this time I definitely was like trying to figure out who did it uh, before yeah. the big reveal, and I, yeah, I was right. And you, I finished it before you, so I was texting you of like, "Oh my gosh, finish the book. We need to discuss." And then after you're texting me, was it so-and-so? Was it so-and-so? And And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't say. (laughs) I'm like, play it cool, Sydney. You don't want to spoil it for her. So I just like. I would have been so mad. But I did, I guessed who it was before you finished. So you didn't know at that time. No, I knew. I just directed you. No, you hadn't finished it yet. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because I said, I don't trust so-and-so. And because you were still guessing at the time. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. We'll go back and look. But I know there was one point where you're like, I think it was so-and-so. And and I'd already finished it. And so I was like, no, I got to mislead you. And tried to like (laughs) misdirect. But. Wait, when did you finish it? Um, like. An evening. Like Monday or Tuesday night. Maybe. 
Okay. You finished it Tuesday, so I think I finished it Monday. I'm going back through our texts. And I was like, did I finish it on Tuesday? I don't you remember what day. Tuesday night, and I had already finished it, and so I was like... Oh, yeah, no, I texted you about my theory on Monday. Anyway, it doesn't way. matter. I'm still basking in this. Um, you were right. This is my one time that I will probably guess who it was. <laughs> it was tricky. We both, I think, like... Over the weekend, we were texting each other different ideas, and we're like, yeah, I thought about that, or I thought it might be this person. Yes, yeah, we definitely did that, and because there's so many people, there's so many characters that it could be, and I think that's why the group setting makes it so nice, is, like, there's not one obvious person that it could be, mm-hmm. and she does a really good job of, like, trying to direct your suspicions towards a certain person, and then she'll slowly redirect them to and then yes. she go back to the original person. And so you're like, wait, I thought it wasn't them. But now, but it's too easy if it's them, you know? Yes. It's, yeah. <laughs> that's what gets, that's what gets me is I'm like, I know that they're trying to lead me to this conclusion. Yeah. So I don't trust it as yes. being right. But then sometimes I'm like, it maybe it isn't that complicated. <laughs> maybe yeah. it is really that person. So that's that's why I yeah. love a good thriller because it keeps your mind guessing the whole time. Yeah. So well, we will dive on in. Yes. Establish that Paige was right. She knew. <laughs> um. So this book starts off with Hannah Jones, who's our protagonist, and she is moving to Oxford specifically Pelham College I was a little confused about that the whole time because sometimes they would call it Oxford and then sometimes they'd call it Pelham College it's but I was college within Oxford. Oxford that's what I figured which is like how we do it here in the states too but Not- I never called it like I only said I went to SIU I didn't say the specific college within SIU yeah but- I think it's definitely different like but it didn't have a good over there yeah like (laughs) yeah um but I also feel like to an outsider saying I'm at Oxford is a lot cooler than like I'm at Pelham College (laughs) yeah oh yeah I think just like the university life over there is so different it's so interesting especially like those big you know Cambridge Oxford Trinity Mm -hmm. the big three I think that's just like so it's so interesting to me And that was one of the reasons I was so pulled into this book was the setting. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a whole different world. And the college experience, completely different than mine. I can see that. And so she moves, Hannah moves to Pelham. And the first person she meets is her new roommate, April Clark Cliveden. And kind of from the beginning, it sets the tone of like, how different they are. And Hannah's already feeling self-conscious about, I think, just being there as a whole. Yeah. She's surrounded by all of these posh people and she can like see and feel the money dripping off these people that she didn't grow up with. Um, And it's apparent from when she first walks in the room because like April's gotten there first. She's claimed the quote, good side of the room, whatever. Um, and already has it decorated like to the nines with outside furniture. And then there's Hannah who's going to use the college issue bed and college issue dresser, like everything that they provide. So I think that kind of just sets the tone for their differences. 
but they bond pretty quickly. Like I thought this was going to be one of those kind of awkward relationships, but it really didn't seem like it. Like Hannah called her her best friend the whole time. Yeah. The whole time. Which like they did bond very quickly and you could tell like April needed that sort of true friendship because you know she is the it girl she's popular she's rich but like she has her own life problems like her family life not the best you know Hannah never meets her parents because they always send like the butler or somebody with her to college so it's like yeah she has all this stuff she has all this money but she's also like very troubled very lonely girl Mm -hmm. but I don't know I never really saw the friendship wasn't super developed for me. That was one of my things with this book was like the friendship wasn't really developed in my mind. It wasn't, but I also, I guess I expected it to be, I expected there to be more moments woven throughout of like. Why they were best friends. Well, no, more of like April being a bitch to Hannah yeah, she or was, or like, like little barbs, and I didn't really get that much. It was more she, just like, yeah, they were best friends. I mean, there were little things woven throughout, which we'll discuss later, but not not directly. Nothing at huge. Hannah. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, like, I just there were never like these big bonding moments between the two of them that I was like, oh yeah, like I can see there were little moments. I don't know. I think they were both too lonely girls who felt a little bit out of place and just Mm -hmm. kind of bonded to each other for that which is how I mean college is as a whole it's a huge change yeah and when you're moving you know maybe for the first time away from your home and away from your family your roommate is hopefully the person that you can bond with yeah and get to know so through April, Hannah is kind of introduced to her extended circle of friends. There's some guys that April went to, like, boarding school slash high school with. Um, one of them is her boyfriend, Will. And then Hugh is another one that they – those three kind of all hung out together. Um, and then there's Ryan and Emily who are just friends in there. So – Hannah kind of gets into that group through April and that's kind of the core group of friends that they have throughout college. Um, One thing that surprised me about this book is how quickly it all happened. Yeah. Like, yeah, she was in my mind. I keep thinking, yeah, that it was their full college experience, but really it was just like that one year. Yeah. Or maybe even, like, one semester. I guess it was a year. But it, Yeah, it was a year because they, like, went on break and came back and yeah. had the big, you know, reunion scene. But there was, yeah, Hannah kind of entered into it, like you said, kind of as an outsider. And she makes this kind of a big deal of, like, I'm not going to be the Hannah Jones from home I'm gonna be the new Hannah Jones let's see who I can be here and she kind of like tried to reinvent herself she was Mm -hmm. still the studier she was still responsible you know she wasn't as big of a partier as April but she did I think kind of let herself explore that side of her that she wouldn't have at home which is again another college experience that everybody goes through yeah I mean you get the chance 
maybe not to completely reinvent yourself, but I feel like if you've always been known as like the shy, quiet girl, that really can play in to how you act mm -hmm. growing up, especially if you are like a shy, quiet person. And then when you go to college, you know, this is my chance to not be seen as that right from the get go. So right. Hannah was definitely excited for that, as most people are. Yeah. But so, I was going to say, this sounds really bad, and not what? to speak ill of the dead, <laughs> but April, just like first impressions, yes, she was lonely, yes, she was a trouble girl, and I felt sorry for her, but I also didn't really like her. I didn't feel sorry for her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, okay. I mean, I, okay, I did at the end, because I also thought this, I was like one point I was like did she deserve it and then I was like no no she didn't she wasn't oh that my bad. god oh <laughs> my god did she deserve to die I don't know I mean about it for just a minute jury's out on that one and then I was like okay no she didn't that was way over the top oh it was way over the top but like we're getting ahead of ourselves but just like overall as a person very fickle would be your best friend and then turn on you just very childish very spoiled i don't know and like there were those little barbs like i guess i said i didn't think there were but there's one that i think of when hannah's going to this party with her tutor slash professor mm -hmm. whatever and april helps her get ready which like that's a classic girl bonding moment yeah and then april just invites herself to the party yes and it's like Hannah's obviously doesn't want her there, is a little stressed about going on her own anyways, and then yeah. April just, like, inserts herself into it and kind of does the whole, like, watch me take all the attention. Yeah, because I'm pretty. Which yeah, which if you were truly that person's friend, like, you would want Hannah to have the attention in that moment because this is exactly important to her. Which, aside from the fact that why is a professor having students? That's an Oxford thing, right? I know, but also they live directly across the hall. That is so weird to me. Yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. A grown, I don't know. By that point, I don't think he was even professor. He was like technically her tutor or something. I, yeah. What I envisioned is like a TA that we would have here. But I just thought when they said like across the hall, I was like, there's no way that they're in the same building. But yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they were. And he was having parties with all the young college girls I'm like that's that you gives me the ick <laughs> oh his whole character did for sure but you need to read the maidens by alex michael these because uh yeah that's cambridge that give but... a whole... oh that yeah so strange that would never happen in the states <laughs> like uh... <laughs> i, I mean it... never <laughs> not never but i guess in today's world i can't imagine like someone working from a school just living in the dorm across from a freshman I guess the TA yeah, yeah would, it is but usually different. usually they bump up to like the good student housing yeah that's the true. dorms that all the little freshmen get stuck with so I don't know I just thought that was weird but yeah. so yeah there were definitely instances where April showed that she wasn't a great person which I think right. that's a little bit of the trope of like the the troubled rich kid that on oh, the outside yeah. they look great and like their life is perfect, but on the inside they're 
troubled and her home life wasn't great. But like we said, even without that, or even considering that, Hannah considers her her best friend and they become really close. Yeah. We don't, we don't see, we don't see a lot of individual moments. It's more group snapshots. Yes. And I guess I was thinking like more of April's snarkiness that we see is pointed towards other people. Yes. It's definitely, yeah. Hannah's not the, um, the sole focus of that, but April was also a big kind of like practical joker prankster and she pulled one on Hannah one of their like their first week of being at Oxford like Hannah came back into the room or the set as they call it because they had kind of like a suite and she heard like some muffled screaming coming from April's room so she went out and she saw like two hands on the window ledge that looked like April was like hanging on so she freaks out and runs over and she's trying to pull April up But when she gets there, she sees April standing, I guess there was like a ledge outside of her window that she lowered herself onto and had like fake hands and was pretending to have fallen out the window and needed help. And so Hannah was like distraught, thinking that her roommate was just like dangling from a ledge and she goes over there and Hannah's just playing this joke on her. And it seems innocent at first. It's just another way to get attention, right? Mm-hmm. but she pulls this on numerous people throughout the book like she that's just her way of getting attention I think and she thinks varying, it's funny yeah and they're pranks of like varying degrees yes of severity starting with a like oh yeah I'm pretending to fall out the window to yes. a really serious prank that's like friendship ending almost so it's just interesting how her character is developed but then also one of the least developed of the whole time which you know she dies early on right I guess that's why but in this the book is told in alternating formats so it's like you'll have Hannah in present day as she's learning about this port you know this porter that was charged with April's murder getting released and then it'll flip back to their college days where April's alive and, you know, they're telling stories um, or you're right. getting memories more. Right. Um, Which, speaking of giving me the ick, the porter that you mentioned, John Neville. Oh, yeah. From major. the get-go, major ick vibes. Like, the first day when she moved in, she needed to get, Hannah needed to get her room key. And so you get it from the porter. And the porter is kind of like, the security guard, the go-to guy for anything. They have these little, like, huts, I guess, outside of the dorms so that mm-hmm. they can watch the gates, they can watch the buildings, and the student, they have, like, the mail there. They are the go-to people for any of the students' needs. And so she went up to them, and there were two in there at the time. There was, like, the nice elderly one, and then there was John Neville, who I think immediately she kind of got a bad vibe from. But whenever she asked for her room key he like held it out he's like oh you mean this one and she's like yeah and so she like held out her hand and was like thank you and then he like kind of like pulled it away from her mm-hmm. and she was like oh yeah no those are the keys I need and held out her hand again and then he like dangled them over her palm for like an extended period of time and then dropped them in which is just creepy 
Yeah, and he, like, I felt, part of me felt bad for him mm -hmm. because I knew that, like, the whole plot, obviously, is that she starts to think that he was wrongly convicted. And so I'm like, this poor guy was just the easy target and has spent his life in prison mm -hmm. for something. But then the more I listened to it, I was like, okay, but you are being really weird. Like, Yeah, but you are very creepy. Be, yeah, don't be a creep. Yeah. And act like, you know, it obviously that made sense of why that was the natural thought. Because he was. I just pictured him with, like, long stringy hair and gross hair. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I don't know if it ever mentioned anything about his hair, but that's just what I <laughs> thought yeah, of when like I listened. Crazy, oily, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, like, creepy man hands with long fingernails. Like, oh. Ew. Ew. You got too specific there. You got too It was definitely the egg. <laughs> well, I listened to it on audiobook, like I like to do, and... I don't even think, I don't think it was even a different narrator, but she would put on a voice for him. That oh, was yeah. Like, oh, oh. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely gave me the bad vibe, which. Yeah. It was Oof. intended, but. Yeah. So that's our first impression of John Neville, which we know from the beginning, he was convicted of April's murder. And like you said, it goes back and forth, but I think we're going to try and do a more linear timeline go through their time in college and then to the present but it was like they're not chapters they're just labeled like before after yes. before after and then you know broken up into sections so I thought that was really interesting the way that she did it but yeah everyone kind of forms a bond she still gets the ick from Neville um the whole time she's there but one particular friend in the group has caught her attention and that's Will you know, kind of from the get-go, she's been interested in him because he's cute. He's the cute, rich boy. But unfortunately, he's also April's boyfriend. But she's also kind of been just that April has been cheating on him from the get-go. Like, it'll be, you know, she'll hear some noises coming from April's room. And then 10 minutes later, she'll go down to the cafeteria and Will will be there. And she'll be like, oh, I thought he was up with April. And then she kind of, like, tries to reason with herself. Be like, oh, well, I guess, like, they could have, you know, finished. And then he could come down to the breakfast. And she's just like, I guess there's enough time. She was always trying to, like, rationalize it in her mind. But she has been interested in Will from the very beginning. And he seemed to be interested in her despite being with April, which... You know, get a little love triangle, get a little jealousy in there, especially, you know, for 18, 19 year olds. Right. And I liked Will. I like, do too. I was rooting like, for them for the whole time. I, I was too. So we kind of get these snapshots of them throughout college and it all kind of culminates on the night that April is killed and they had all been out at the bar. Will was back home because he'd already graduated and was like back no, his home. mom was sick. No, I thought it was that he was gone for like a job interview or something or getting, he had 
No, his mom was sick because it was like the closing night of April's play. Like she's she was in the school play, mm-hmm. and she was mad at him because she said, "You're choosing your mom over me." Because he went home to see her because she wasn't feeling well, and so he went home instead of staying for the closing night of April's play. Mm-hmm. And that was like another childish snapshot of her of like if you're in a relationship and you have this big thing going on, but then your boyfriend comes to you and is like, hey, my mom's sick. I need to go home. Then, like, you're disappointed, but you're like, yeah, you should go see your mom if she's sick. And also, he'd already been to the opening night. Like, they all yeah. had been there for the opening night. Yeah. So, yeah, he was like, there. How many times can you see the same damn play? <laughs> exactly. <I'd be> like, <laughs> no matter how much enough. you love the person. Yes. Once is more than enough, but he went home to visit his mom and she kind of threw a tantrum over that because she wanted him at closing night. Yeah, which throwing tantrums is kind of what she does. Yeah, that's what she does best. So they, the rest of them were there, went, and then they all went out to the bar afterwards to like celebrate. And so they kind of threw. April a surprise. Hannah did because she was could tell that April was upset about Will not being there. Mm-hmm. And so she's trying to cheer her up and do like a cast party. Friends like we'll celebrate the end of this because April had been really great in the play and was proud of it. And Hannah's trying to be like the nice person and hype her up. So they're at this bar and all there except Will, who's at home. And April heads up early to go change. And she says she's going to come back, but it's getting towards the end of the night. And Hannah's like, well, why don't we just, like, the party's kind of winding down. We'll just go either go home or we can go continue it elsewhere. And Hannah's like, or April's like, no, no, I'm going to go change and come right back. So she leaves and... It keeps winding down. They're starting to call last call at the bar. And April's still not back yet. So finally Hannah's like, okay, she's not coming. Maybe she just decided to stay back up at the room. She's not coming back. You know, we're going to call the party over. So Will, not Will, Hugh offers to walk her back to her room. Because he's kind of like the gentleman of all of the group. Like, mm-hmm. He, I don't want to say he doesn't fit in, but I think he doesn't get some of their jokes and pranks. Like, he's very serious and... Kind of awkward. Yeah, socially a little bit awkward. He doesn't know how to relate to some of the younger people, especially the girls. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's always, like, a friend and on the periphery yeah and he's dependable but he and will were like best friends growing up so it's kind of like they come as a package deal and will is friends with all of them so hugh hangs out with them and he's friends with hannah Mm -hmm. you know she's kind of feels like the outsider too like we've mentioned and she really appreciates kind of his calmer demeanor and just he seems like a sweet guy and so Yeah, she likes him for that, and she she doesn't, like, take pity on him, but she sees him trying, and she sees when he feels awkward, and she kind of steps in and supports him and tries to, you know, make him feel better. So I thought their friendship was really sweet. 
Agreed. It was kind of like they saw each other's kindred spirits a little yeah, bit. as like absolutely. they're both in the group, but they don't feel like they belong. So at that end of the night, he offers to walk her back because she has been on edge the whole year about John Neville. Like there's been instances where she feel like feels like he's stalking her or following her and the rest of the group knows this. And so they, Emily encourages her to like turn him in and report it. And then Hugh's just like, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, keep an extra eye out on you. And so they walk back and they're walking back to their dorm suite set building, whatever, (laughs) and whatever you want to call it. Um, And they see someone coming out of the set, like down the staircase leading to their room. Yes. And they can't get a 100% sure view of it. But Hannah is, Hannah inwardly is like sure that it's John Neville. And... So they're like, that's kind of weird. And that's not the first time that he's been weirdly up there in their room. Yeah, one time she just, like, came in after class. And he was just standing, like, in the living room of their suite. And he had a package for her. But she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, you know, you had a package and nobody was here. So he's going to bring it in and set it down on the table. And she's like, okay, but, like, now leave, you know? Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, why are you like... just hanging out? Because it, it seems like he was kind of, like, going through their stuff a little bit, too. Like, Ruth like was... looking around. Yeah. She yeah. did a really good job of, like, putting these situations in this book, but never giving you a clear answer or, like, I don't know. Things just, like, were very hazy. And they could go either way. Like, yeah, he could have been in there delivering that package, but then he would he should leave immediately. Like, that's his job. He delivers the mail. But she was also like, why don't you just hold it at the Porter's Lodge? You know, but like... But also, just, like, leave it outside the door? Yeah. Why would you go, go actually in? Yeah. Freaky. Like, we, don't, we don't usually lock the door, and so he just went in. And, yeah, so she... Like like you said, he had, like, previous history of just going up to their rooms. Yeah. So they see him come out and down, and they're like, that's kind of weird. But they keep walking up, whatever. And when Hannah opens the door, she finds April laying dead in the room. And she screams for Hugh, because I don't... I don't guess Hugh hadn't walked her, like, directly in, but kind of, like, walked her to the staircase and saw her go up the door. Yeah. But she walked in alone. And so she yells for Hugh. He runs up. He's, like, pre-med. So he starts doing CPR, trying to revive April, and he's yelling at Hannah to go find help. And so she does. She runs out get some help 911 will not will Hugh is up there <laughs> I keep doing that there's too many like I love a group narrative but then I cannot keep everyone straight yeah in it <laughs> so he was up there trying to revive April until the police come and he's unsuccessful so she 
is dead and Hannah is traumatized, obviously. Yeah. And she realizes that that last person she saw coming out of their room had to be the one because there was no one else around. And she's sure that it's John Neville or she's pretty sure that it's John Neville. Um, Yeah. Just based on all her previous encounters with him. And like you said, the timing of him walking out of the staircase. Yes. And then, then going up to the room and finding April. And so they go through the whole trial and he's convicted, even though he says that he's innocent, he maintains his innocence the whole time, but he does admit that he was up in their room dropping off a package. And so that, you know, from his own admission puts him there at the scene and Hannah's kind of the star testimony that seals the deal for him, that she saw him leaving the room right before she went up and found April. There was no one else around. Um, And so that's what convicts him and puts him in jail. And so they try to move on, but obviously they're all wrapped up in it. Like Hugh had to testify. Hannah had to testify. Will while he had feelings for Hannah at that time, was still April's boyfriend. So they're Mm -hmm. all thrown into this. It becomes a media circus with reporters calling and hounding them. Um, Just really overwhelming that that Hannah doesn't return to school next year because she can't, like, bring herself to go back there, which Which, is understandable after you have a, a trauma like that. You find your best friend dead in your shared room together like yeah ain't no way i'm going back in there heck no and she kept telling herself oh in a year i'll go to this university oh and this time like she kept telling herself that she was going to go back to school but it kept getting pushed back and back and back and eventually just the media attention everything becomes too much and she kind of runs away to edinburgh scotland and works at a bookshop there, kind of tries to start fresh. She gets a new haircut, gets glasses instead of wearing contact lenses, like just tries to blend in and not be the Hannah Jones from Oxford anymore. So then we kind of flip forward in the time, like in the linear timeline, we flash forward to Will and Hannah married, living in Edinburgh. Edinburgh. They're Expecting their first child, and Will's working. I don't even know like what his company would be, but he's working. Job, I think. Yeah, and they're trying. You know, they've kind of moved on with their life, or trying to as best as they can. They keep in touch with Hugh a little bit because he also lives there, um, but they don't see him as much. And then the rest of their friends. They don't, you know, they do the, like, Facebook interaction, happy birthday type thing, but they don't really keep up with, like, Emily, they'll reach out every now and then, and then Ryan, they really haven't talked to, which Ryan had had a stroke, and they both feel really guilty about not going to visit him like Mm -hmm. they should have, and not really keeping that line of communication open, And then it gets to the point where it's like, it's been so long that now it's awkward if we do try to reach out. Right. But they're all kind of thrown back into this when they find out that John Neville has died in prison. Um, 
and it really upsets Hannah, I think, the most out of any of them. Like, Emily kind of reaches out and says, oh, I heard about this. How are you doing? Um, Will just wants her to forget about it all. And he says, it's done now. We don't have to worry about this anymore. You know, he's gone. There's no chance that he'll be let out now. The media, you know, can't keep interviewing him, whatever. So, but Hannah just can't shake the feeling that it's really weighing on her that this has happened. Yeah. And she's worried that it's going to reignite the media frenzy again. Yes. And it does, you know, she starts to get some phone calls and some emails from journalists because John Neville has maintained his innocence until the very end. And he was, I think, you know, preparing an appeal again uh, at the time of his death. So Hannah would have been dragged back into it regardless, but it was, I think she's so attached to it and she's so affected by it because it was her testimony that ultimately sent him to jail because she is the one who said that she saw him coming down from the staircase and kind of painted this picture of him, which was accurate. And, you know, nothing was wrong with what she said because that's what she believed. But she's always had this kind of voice in the back of her mind going, what if I was wrong? Because no matter if you are correct, it has to weigh on you that you were pretty much the sole reason that person was sent to jail. Like your evidence and your testimony did that. Well, and I think it's that thing where, you know, you see something happen and you're so sure of it. And then three hours later, you're like, yeah, was it really like, was it exactly how I remember seeing it? And so she was testifying. Yes, absolutely. That's him but she had started having just tiny little trickles of doubt mm-hmm. about his guilt and the whole thing. Um, so she, a podcaster contacts her and says that they're doing a deep dive into the April case and they're trying to pinpoint for sure was Neville guilty. And the podcaster has a connection because he's from the same hometown as Neville and that's kind of what got him interested like Neville's mom lived right down the street from him growing up or something yeah and he comes at it like Hannah thinks there's a big angle and he's like well I just want to make sure that he truly was guilty like if if I do all of this and I find out that he was the one that did it fine I'm not on a crusade to get a guilty man out of jail but he's like I do want to make sure that he's the one that did it right so that's the one that she agrees to talk to. And this whoa, is what. Whoa, whoa. What? <laughs> the first meeting went a little bit differently because she like put his email. She didn't read the whole email. She just kind of had this folder of all the media reaching out to her. So she put his email in there and then he kind of ambushed her at her bookstore. Remember? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I. Yeah, so he does do that. But then she later agrees to meet him, like, for coffee or something. Yeah, she does after he, like, creepily appears at her place of work. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which has got her on edge just from the beginning. I don't blame her. Can you imagine just, like, being at work one day and this journalist is in there acting like a customer? No, but then I'm like, why would you then go meet him? I'd be like, dude. Yeah get away from me <laughs> yeah if you was did... like, I'm so sorry but like I really want to meet you la 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 and she does yeah it's her guilty conscience speaking out being like yeah 
I need to yeah. do this. And she, everything like she rationalized it. Like this is for my peace of mind. So I can put it behind me. Mm-hmm. No, I'd forgotten about him showing up. So he does that, but she does end up agreeing to meet him to like tell her story, which kind of still goes off the rails. Cause she ends up leaving like abruptly and saying she doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Um, but, but in that meeting, she finds out that he's friends with her old friend, Ryan. Yes. And that Ryan had some information that Hannah didn't know. And that that information was at the time of April's death. She was supposedly pregnant. Yes. Which okay. Hannah is like, is that true or is this another prank? Yeah. Because she's like, wouldn't my best friend tell me that? Yeah. Why would Ryan know? And I Yeah, and there was nothing on, like, the autopsy results were never published. It's just questionable, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, that wasn't hinted at in the media, which you would think that would be if a college student is found dead. Yeah. It turns out she's pregnant, like, that's just one more thing for the media to grab onto. But... And then Hannah's kind of grappling with, okay, did Will know? Like, he was her boyfriend at the time. Right. Has he not told me about this this whole time? And so this is where the little nuggets start getting, like, filtered out of different things cropping up. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can tell, like, she... Loves Will. They're very happily married. It's like a cute story because, you know, they went their separate ways. He continued on at Oxford. She obviously left and then she fled up to Edinburgh. And after she was there for like a year, I want to say, he showed up on her doorstep, like followed her there. They moved in together, got engaged. It was like a very quick relationship but mm-hmm. they like helped each other heal over it um and they're they had like kept in touch by writing letters to each other which they thought was really sweet so mm-hmm. the hopeless romantic in me was like rooting for them the whole time and then to hear like how their story ended up I thought was really cute <laughs> yeah well and it was that thing of like you got the vibes back in college that they were meant to be And then this horrible thing happened that kind of derailed it, but it's still, you know, they got together in the end, which we always love. Yeah. Love those kind of stories. But But now she's kind of questioning him, like you said, um, because he was never really pulled into the media circus because he was out of town. So, you know, that was his alibi. They didn't question him any further. And so he didn't go through it to the extent that she did. Like, yes, it was his girlfriend who died, but he didn't have to go through all the questioning. And now she's questioning him, like, okay, what did he know that I didn't know and that he's kept from me all these years? Like, did he know April was pregnant? But then she also always had that kind of sneaky suspicion that April was cheating on him. So was it somebody else's baby? And did Will know that she was sleeping with other people? And she's spiraling at this point which is you know completely understandable because I would also be doing the same but oh yeah she is going through all this in her mind while Will is like just leave it alone just leave it alone it's over why can't you let this just be over for us so that we can finally move on yeah um 
So she kind of, like, after she goes to see Ryan, which she was surprisingly open with her. I guess I would feel like if you hadn't talked to me in years, <laughs> but now you're, I don't know, nosing around for information, I'd kind of be like, no, uh, don't figure yeah. it out on your own. But like, he wasn't like that. He was just like, oh, it's great to finally see you. And I always kind of really him. liked Ryan as a character. He was just kind of laid back. Yeah. Was- I did too. I was just surprised, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I would definitely be like, oh, I had a stroke. And now, you know, five years later, you finally show up and you want this yeah. information. Now. So when she's down visiting Ryan that day, you know, she they exchange the pleasantries but then she kind of like you said she cuts straight to it and she asks him if april's pregnant and he confirms that he at least received a positive pregnancy test from april like was it real was it another prank that she liked to pull they didn't know but then he also revealed that he had been sleeping with April behind Will's back the entire year and also behind Emily's back because Ryan was with Emily at that time and he's like it kind of happened I didn't know she was with Will but then she kind of held it over his head and kind of like forced him to continue to sleep with her Mm -hmm. it you know he was like well you know I was young I was stupid it wasn't like hard to convince me to do that but you know, looking back on it, like, I feel bad about it now because I knew she was with Will and I didn't want to, like, hurt him like that. But, yeah, we and were sleeping together. feeling guilty about it because of Emily, too. Yes, because he Cause was point, going he, out with her. Yeah, and he wants to, like, he tries to put a stop to it because he's going out with Emily and she's going out with Will. Um, but April kind of, like, she kind of, like, she loved to exert her power over people like that. And mm-hmm. she did that with Ryan. And it's like, oh, well, you know, I'll just tell. I'll tell that we're doing this. And he didn't want to hurt anybody. So he continued to sleep with her behind everybody's backs. And so now it's, you know, come down to was she actually pregnant? Was it another joke? And if she was pregnant, Whose baby was it? Was it Ryan's or was it Will's? And so now Hannah is questioning it because Will, I guess, kind of has a famous temper. And, you know, he kind of keeps his emotions close to his chest and he doesn't, you know, he's just very stoic. Yeah, but whenever he'll like bottle he, it up. Yeah. He'll but whenever he's not whenever he finally lets his emotions loose I guess it could be like pretty scary mm-hmm. so she's starting to wonder okay did Will know it was Ryan's baby if it was Ryan's baby or that they were sleeping together behind his back and did those emotions kind of explode out of him like she's seen just on a handful of occasions so now she's starting to officially question Will even though the whole time she's like kind of been the safeguard that he was out of town and yes that was like her one holding point of like i she knew she could trust will because he was completely out of town and she knew she could trust hugh because he was there with her like yes like those are with her the whole time yeah those are the two rock solid alibis and 
And the whole time when we were texting, we were like, oh, it's, could it be Will? We're like, but that's too easy. It, you know, right. the partner, that's too easy. But then something else, um, the we- podcaster that she met with kind of was sticking to her mind was, oh, like, she was strangled. That points to, like, a crime of passion. That almost always points to the domestic partner. And at that time, that domestic partner was Will. And so she has all these little bits of evidence piling up against Will. And we, we were like, no, that's too easy, right? That's too easy. But we were also starting to question, well, is it Will? Like, could it be him? So whenever she gets back from Ryan's, Hannah calls up Hugh to go have dinner because she never really, like, in all of this, she's never really gotten his side of it. I mean, he had to testify to what happened and... She knows that he did CPR on her and that's traumatic and stuff, but she's never really asked him directly, I guess, like how he remember it happening because they were there together. She just assumed that her, the way she remembers it is the way he remembers it. But now she wants to know for sure. And so he kind of tells his same side and really backs up what she remembers. But he also mentions kind of, offhand about some of the other like little barbs that April would throw and he says something about well you know what she did to Emily and Hannah's like no what are you talking about and it comes out that April had done one of her pranks on Emily she'd kind of gotten everyone in the group like with Ryan she went over to his apartment and pretended to be a cop while she knew he was in there smoking weed and like freaked him out. He threw away his weed. He was really, really mad about it. And then with Hannah, there was the whole window thing. And I guess with Emily, it comes to find out she had sent her a letter from their like college board or their testing officials saying that she, there were some questions about her test and whether or not she had passed, whether or not she had cheated, maybe. Yeah. And made it look very official. School yes. letterhead. The whole it was survival. right after they had taken their big finals. Yes. And Emily's a very like studious person and yeah, was takes worried everything. about that. Yeah, it takes everything very seriously. And this is about a week before April's death. Mm-hmm. Very so like the timeline. And so she had Emily, like, in a tiz, waiting the whole time. She was calling, trying to figure it out. And then it turns out when she called the number on the the letter, it was April saying, like, oh, I got you. This was all a joke. Yeah, which I would also be pissed. That would make me Um, so mad. Be so pissed. Like, that – Ryan was really, really mad about the weed one. And I'm like, that's kind of funny. (laughs) But also – whatever but then to go and like screw with someone's mind over school things and like actual serious things is not cool not cool at all yeah especially because she like emily was working really hard and taking it really serious and april seems like she's just flitting along they all kind of mentioned like i don't know how she does it with being in this play and being the it girl, party girl, like, how does she have time to study and make good grades? 
Yeah, she always does. And so there seemed to be some, like, resentment there. Yeah. That everything came so great and naturally to April. And then she's over here pranking people that are, like, trying really hard. Yeah. And there was a moment when April first started pranking everybody that Hannah was, like, kind of telling her, telling Emily about it. And Emily said, if she ever tries to pull one on me, I will end her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of says it in a threatening way, which I just took, like, she would stop being friends with her. She would just kind of cut her off. Like, I I mean, I didn't take that as, like, a super threatening thing. But as soon as Hugh tells Hannah about this, that's all that is kind of, like, playing on a loop in her mind when Emily said that. So now Emily has sort of become a suspect in Hannah's Mm -hmm. mind. Yeah, so that's kind of putting the doubt about Emily in her mind. And so meanwhile, Hannah gets an email from that podcast reporter saying, I've, you know, gotten in contact with somebody close to the case. Would you like to meet them? And Hannah's like invested in it now. I mean, she always kind of has been, but it's snowballed with each of her little uncoverings. And she's like, yeah, sure. So she goes to meet up with them. And the person of interest turns out to be april's sister november who november let no we need to sit on that for a moment (laughs) (laughs) you were the one that called that to my attention because i never even made the connection of like april and november which is stupid yeah i cannot get over it november anyway i was i was more caught up with her like fake name because she november is an influencer basically yeah and she was still she was young like 11 when this happened but obviously their family name was in the media and so she didn't want to be november clark cliveden because of the association so she her stage name was november rain and that's where i was just like no i am done with it i know (laughs) like that's horrible pick anything else but anyways She's a good person. She turned yes. out fine and helpful. So she just has a lot of questions about her sister's death because then her parents were all hush hush about it, didn't want to talk about it. She never got to visit Oxford. So she right. has no closure. So she's searching for closure. Right. And so they kind of connect through this reporter, but she looks so much like April that it's really like off putting and startling to Hannah but yeah. then she know, you know knows that's her sister and she Hannah throughout her life would catch think she caught glimpses of April around and so she feels this connection with her sister because one she looks so much like her and two they both lost someone like really important to them so they come up with this plan of going to Oxford together because you know, to maybe get closure for both of them, like we yeah. kind of said. Get some and... answers. Emily's a professor there. And yes. so they're going to talk to her. And they're and... also going to kind of investigate Dr. Myers, who yes. was the, you know, kind of creepy, not professor, but the creepy teacher across the hall that they went to the party. And he kind of, for lack of a better word, collected beautiful <laughs> that is female <disturbing>. student <laughs> well i don't know what other word you would use but that's disturbing yeah oh it's very disturbing 
So she goes home and tells Will this. Will, obviously, he doesn't want to go. Well, he wants to go with her to support her, but he doesn't want her to go. And Uh, to, like, protect her because he's worried about, okay, if this person actually was capable of doing this. Yes. What's going to stop I don't want. Yeah, I don't want my pregnant wife, you know, digging all of that up. Yeah. He doesn't go. I mean, understandably, he's nervous. Mm -hmm. And I see it as, like, a protective thing. But... You know, she's, of course, everyone is now a suspect in Hannah's mind, mm-hmm. but she ends up going to Oxford with November. And they meet up that first night at Emily's. And, you know, she hasn't seen Emily in a while, but Emily had, you know, kind of extended an open invitation for her to come down and visit. And they're having dinner together. She's trying to, like, dance around it. But also get questions about, you know, the prank that April pulled on Emily and how she really felt about it. And why, you know, were you really in the library the night that April died because Emily didn't come to, like, the closing night party that they threw for her? So they're like, is your alibi actually solid? Or were you able to, like, slip out of the library, kill April, and then go back in like nothing had happened? Mm-hmm. Well, she doesn't really, I mean, she's trying to do all this on the sly and not, not come right out and tell Emily, I'm starting to suspect you. Right. Um, you wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. That'd be kind of awkward. Yeah. But she doesn't really get the answers that she's looking like. I think Emily catches on. Like, like you said, Emily's a very intelligent person and she's kind of like, oh, so am I a suspect now? Like. She kind of gets a little sassy with it, um, which if you're innocent, somebody's like, yeah, I think you murdered our friend. You deserve to be a little sassy. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, she's kind of frank about everything and catches on very quickly to what they're insinuating. And she's like, it wasn't me. She pulled that prank. Yes. And but that's just April. And. You know, she's very upset, very angry about it, but she's like, I didn't kill our friend over that. Right. And so now their attention kind of turns to Dr. Myers, which we both discussed this in the pre-record. Like, the whole Emily plotline wasn't super believable to me. Like, I never thought that was, like, legit a way that it could go. I was, yeah, I was never convinced that it could be Emily. Hold on. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Oz. (laughs) That's okay. I forgot to hide, to hide this dang toy. Every time. I'm sorry, buddy. Poor guy. <laughs> he doesn't play with it until the most inconvenient time. I'm so sorry about your editing this week. Um, okay. At least you're doing it early, right? Okay. Yeah, for real. Um. So then they shift their attention to the teacher and they're going doing this tour with him like they book a tour with that department not really thinking that he was going to be the actual one leading the tour but he is Mm -hmm. and um so of course he recognizes hannah and they start to reminisce and they kind of explain that oh we're just here to show november you know, where her sister was and kind of give her some closure, but they're really there to 
try to see what information they can get from him because they're getting creeper vibes. Yeah. And so through that, they want to go back to the dorm set, the actual location where she was killed. And it's now been turned into offices because the college was like, yeah, this is a high profile murder case. Like we probably shouldn't have students staying in those rooms anymore. So they turn it into offices and he kind of takes them up there and lets them look around, which is really weird. Like it's a heavy moment for Hannah in November because Hannah hadn't been back there since all of this happened. Um, And they're trying to figure out like, how much to trust him, what kind of information to try to get. But they end up finding out that he was, like, out of town that weekend, right? Or he was gone. Yeah. I think he was, like, at a conference or, you know, a guest lecturing somewhere. Yeah. So he's pretty well cleared from that instance. Again. Yeah. Again, not Even like though he's, super... like, a weirdo. Yeah. He's creepy, obviously, because he invited all these young women to – his room for a quote-unquote party and while he was there he's very schmoozy mm-hmm. but again not like a super convincing plot line for me like the whole oxford trip was not necessary it was not necessary yeah and especially because the whole time you're like how would it have been anyone else when they were within view like hugh and hannah were in view of the building the whole time. Yeah. And they would have seen someone else. So that's why it like, it felt kind of weak. Yeah. Especially Um, the Emily one, but the whole Dr. Myers was only believable that his door was across the hall. So they would not have seen him leave. Right. And that was the the staircase. And I think that was kind of like, Oh, he could have been there. But again, I wasn't super convinced about it at any time. And then while they were there, they were like, well, there is another way out because they claimed the only way out of the dorm was the staircase. But then while they were in the room, Hannah told November about April's joke about, you know, falling out the window and needing help and how she could not get April out back to the window. So she kind of had to go like down this down. drain pipe. Yeah. And she said, that's another way out. But so she's kind of having all these realizations being back there. So now you think, oh, the killer could have left the room via drain pipe. Yeah. And then, like, around the back of the building where they would have had to climb a fence. But Hannah had done that once. Yeah. She's like, I know that would be possible because I've done it. Yeah. There's, and, like, a weak point in the wall or something that they could climb over. Yeah. So that's when she starts thinking like spiraling of okay it could have been someone else that we just never even saw which then kind of well so she goes back like they get back from oxford and she meets up with hugh again or calls him like wants to discuss this with him yeah on the train back she calls him about everything because she had told him about her trip and he's like be careful and let me know so she Mm -hmm. she called him and he, they're discussing all the stuff and he's like, well, you know, there's one thing that I have never told you or never told anyone from this, but 
when I got back to my room that night, really late at night after everything had happened, he's like, I could hear someone on the, in the next room over on the other side of my wall. I could hear someone walking around and she's like, are you sure you're absolutely sure that's what you heard? And he's like, yes. And the room, the room on the other side of the wall belonged to Will. Yeah. So that's what. And that was Hugh's only neighbor because he was like in the corner. Right. So it couldn't even be like, well, was it your other, you know, neighbor? But no, Will was the only room next to him. Right. And so now she's got this seed of doubt of was Will there? Like, did he come back and no one knows about it? And now she knows you know, could he have done this and then slipped out of the room through the window? Yeah. And that kind of puts the whole doubt into her. And so she's starting to have these thoughts on the train. And when she gets I'm back, starting to have the same thoughts. Now I'm like, is it Will? It was too obvious. Or I know. Is it Will? Like now all signs are pointing to him. Yeah. Like it definitely leads you in that direction. And so she gets... Like, the train, I want to say docks at the station. The train stops at the station. She gets off, and she's, like, starting to freak out a little bit. And suddenly Will's there. He came to pick her up from the train station. And she's like, oh. And it's a super awkward moment because it's, like, she can just tell that she's really weird and not how you would expect like a wife to react when her husband picks her up from the train station, but she's internally starting to worry. Like, has he been the one that's done the whole time? And now I'm married to him. And, you know, am I going to be in danger if I find out? So I think at this point I texted you and it was like, girl, do not get in that car with him because (laughs) my radar was on high alert. I was like, Will, you are seeming very suspicious to me right now. Yeah, I was and definitely the whole time been really discouraging her from trying to find out. Yes. He's like, just leave it alone. Like, quit messing with this. Yeah. And so you're like, well, okay, well, is it because you did it and you don't want her to find out? Or, and yeah. like, or does he know who did it? Like, I was like, or is Will covering for them? I was just like, I was also yeah. spiraling. There was point. definitely a lot of theories the whole time yes just like rapid fire texting you this whole time because he had finished it at this point that I got to this end um but they go back home she manages to play it cool she gets in the car against my advice (laughs) and they go home and she's like really grappling with it she goes back and forth of he did it he couldn't have done it he could do it but he didn't do it because this is the will I left she's just like going back and forth And the one thing I will say before we get to the next part is Hannah, like, never waited for a clear answer. She just, like, jumped into that conclusion with all that she had. And I was like, wait, there could still be. But she would just, like, take that theory and run with it. Very one-track mind of, like, okay, I know I have this information, so it must be this person. Yes, exactly. And so at one point, you know, she's still trying to grapple and she's wrestling with it that it could be Will. And he, like, goes out 
to get some bacon for breakfast. Like he goes on a run, gets some bacon for breakfast, and she's calling, I think, Hugh or Ryan. Mm-hmm. She calls somebody and is asking if they heard Will that night or when he got back. And she's like basically trying to confirm his alibi before she accuses him of anything because you know they're married and that might be awkward <laughs> if you if you accuse your spouse of murder Just and she said because now I'm worried that he could have done it and as she said that he like walks in the door with the bacon earlier like he got back earlier than she thought yeah. and so there's like this whole showdown in the kitchen and she says did you kill April and he just kind of laughs and says, what do you think? And so that, to her, was confirmation and a confession that he did it. So there's which, this... Which, like... It is a weird reaction. It's a weird reaction, but also, but it also yes or no. Yes, and I was like, okay, but he didn't say yes. And she just freaks out about it. And, th- yeah, this was my hold-up point. I was like, yeah, that is kind of a weird reaction. And I think it was framed as, like well, what do you think? Like, yeah. creepy way? It was supposed to be like, oh, she caught me. Now I'm going to be all, yeah, creepy about it. But I also was like, okay, but he never did say yes, he did it. Yeah, that was, and yeah. I was hung up on that for sure. Yeah. There's this whole, like, showdown in the kitchen where he's, like, advancing toward her. And she's trying to, like, map out her escape. So she gets past him. She's running through the streets. It's raining. She's barefoot. She probably looks crazy. She's pregnant, mm-hmm. you know. And she almost gets hit by a cab. And he's running after the, her the whole time. And so she gets in the cab and is like, sorry, like a disagreement with my husband. And like sometime during the whole argument with them, she had dropped her phone and the screen broke. Mm-hmm. She comes into play later. But uh she asks, he's like, oh, I get it. Where can I take you? So the only person she can think of in Edinburgh to go is to go to Q. Because he's like the dependable friend, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, take me to this address. So they go there. She leaves Will in the dust. And she gets to Hugh's house. You know, he answers the door and is like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? You're like, you look terrible. Come in. So he's kind of like nursing her back to health. She's telling him everything that happened. And he's being the dependable Hugh that you know. Like, he made mm-hmm. her tea. He ran her a bath. He got her some nice, clean, warm clothes. Like, it's the Hugh that, you know, was there for her through all those yes. years. Despite, you know, little to no contact. And despite being Will's best friend and not hers. And so he's like, "Why don't you look exhausted. Why don't you take a nap? And then we'll go to the police station together. Because you have to tell them about this. Mm-hmm. Which then I'm like, if you go to the police and you're like, yeah, I asked my husband if he killed my best friend and he laughed and said, what do you think? They'd be like, all right, well, that's not, not a confession. Really ev- yeah, and there's yeah. like still one other evidence other than I think he could have come out of the window. Like, Yeah, and Hugh thinks he heard him through the wall that night, but it's not. It's just yeah. a lot of speculation at this point. And it's right? also like, if you're going to make that claim... You against got, your husband, you gotta be sure. Like, there has to be some actual tangible evidence that they can test. Yeah. To me, before you make that claim, because it's kind of like, there's no going back. There is no coming back from that. From exactly. That. So, 
she takes the bath and takes a nap and then wakes up and she's not feeling well. She hadn't off and on through this whole pregnancy. She hasn't been feeling well. Like she's had fainting spells and dizzy spells and trouble with her blood pressure. And she had eaten, Will had brought her like tea and some toast and she'd eaten that and then started feeling really nauseous and sick while she was taking the bath and before the nap and whatever. So she tries to sleep it off, but she still is feeling really bad. And she's like, it's just kind of the stress of all of this. My alarm bells are going off at this point. I'm just saying. Oh, absolutely. When she was like being physically sick, I was like, something's not right. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about like a metally type taste in her mouth. I'm like, oh, yeah. Right? No. <laughs> so she wakes up and he was like, okay, let's go down to the police station. Like I told him, well, she wakes up and it's later in the afternoon that she thought, and she's like, oh my gosh, we need to go. And he's like, no, it's fine. I told them it'd be like 4.30. She's like, oh, okay. So they get in the car to head that way. And she's still kind of like dozing off and on because mm-hmm. she just doesn't feel well. And so they start heading out and she wakes back up in the car and they're not in town. She doesn't yeah. recognize where they're at. They're kind of like, like out in the country or heading yeah. towards the country. She's like, this is weird. And she's like, aren't we going to the police station? And this is where, for sure, I was like, uh-oh, shit, yeah. not right. Yeah. <laughs> because and- it should be you drive to the police station and go right there. Like, Yeah, because she made it seem like it was close enough to walk. And he's like, no, it's raining. We can drive. And then, yeah, and he's like, I'm worried about you. You've been sick. I'll just drive yeah, us. Yeah, and now she's, like, asking him, like, oh, aren't we going to the police station? He's like, yeah, silly me. I took a wrong turn, and now the navigation is messing up, but we'll be there in no time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, girl. And he out. says something about, like, I just need to turn around. Yet they keep driving by multiple spots where he can yes. turn around. And Ooh, he's like, okay, oh, creepy. I just don't. Yeah. And so she's still feeling physically bad, but now she's got like a pit in her stomach of fear that he's lying to her and they're not going to the police station, but she's trying to keep it cool because she doesn't want to like alert him that she knows what's going on. And so the time keeps passing and now it's 445 and five o'clock and she's like, well, do we need to call them and tell them that we're not going to like, we're running late. We're not going to be there. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, why don't you call? And she's like, oh, well, my phone is broken. I can't. And then he, instead of offering, he's like, oh, no, it'll be fine. Like, we'll just show up when we show up. Right. But the it was smart of her to tell him that her phone wasn't working because although the screen was broken, it, mm-hmm. the phone itself was still working. She just, you know, the screen would appear black and she didn't know where she was clicking. Right. But she could still call people. So at this point... She knew that he was not taking her to the police station. And she was starting to believe that he was the one who killed April, which, you know, I was right. right. Um, and <laughs> so she, like, has her phone in her pocket. And she's like, should I do, like, the emergency SOS where you press the power and, like, the volume? But I guess over there, like, it sends out, like, an alarm bell on the mm-hmm. phone. Um, which from experience, because I accidentally did this, it does not do that here. Um, but 
she's like trying to figure out what she can do and then she's like i can have siri call will and although i just accused him of murder hopefully he loves me (laughs) and is unborn child enough to like come to my rescue and hopefully he like takes the call because she's like i have one chance at this so she's still like feigning you know ignorance at this point and she looks at Hugh and she's like holding down the call but like the side call button and she says so do you think when I get back home or like when we get done yeah when we get done at the police station I should call Will and she like raised her voice a little bit and she's like praying which I thought was brilliant but so first of all yes this is very brilliant that she thought of that yes but second of all, if I had to depend on Siri to hear me say something, <laughs> yeah. I would be dead. I would be done. Yes. That would never work for me. No. Like, I've had an iPhone for years, maybe a decade at this point. I have never gotten it to actually do what I want <laughs> when I try to, like, talk to Siri or use voice control. And yeah. Maybe it's just me. And I don't do it that often because it never works. But I, at this point, I was like, dude, I'd be dead. I mean, <laughs> this wouldn't happen. This would be the end. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very valid. I didn't think of that. But that's funny. <laughs> yeah. And also props, like, that's the Hail Mary. And also yes. props to her for, like, I know I just accused you of murder, but I'm going to try. Yes. But please answer my call. <laughs> yeah. So she knows it goes through. Because her phone starts to feel warm. Like, you know, when you're on an extended call. Mm -hmm. And so she's, like, hoping and praying. She's, like, reading out some signs. Like, they pass, like, a a bar. And it's called, like, the Star Shine Inn. Or, like, something like that. And she goes, oh, the Star Shine Inn. What an interesting name for a bar. And she's, like, just, like, trying to act all nonchalant while dropping clues. And hoping Will is on the other end of the line. Um, cause at this point she knows that Hugh is not taking her to the police station. So they get further and further out and she starts to like realize it looks familiar, like the area they are, but she can't really remember yet. And she finally looks over at Hugh and she goes, I know you're not taking me to the police station. And he's like, ah, I thought you might catch on to that. And he's just like very calm creepy. and very creepy. Yeah. And, um, She's like, so, like, what are you doing? She's trying to, like, beg for her life and her baby's life. And she comes to realize that they are at the beach that Will first took her to when he came up to Edinburgh to be with her. And they, like, had a picnic there. Um, That's when, like, their story began. Is that she asked something like, where are we going? And Hugh's like, I can't believe you don't recognize this. And that's when she realizes it. Yeah. And she's like, well, how do you know about this special place? And he was like, well, I'm the one that told Will about this. Yeah. And so this is where I thought we were going to divulge into, like, he's secretly been in love with Hannah the whole time. And like, I thought he was going to be in love with Will. I also had that down, too, because yeah. I was, like, in my notes, in my theories from the pre-record, like, when I was prepping, I wrote, Hugh, secretly gay for Will. Yeah. And... But I also could see it from the Hannah side, too, because I could see him being the guy that's like, I'm always the nice guy, and I don't know why girls don't like me. Yes. Because it's like, dude, just being nice does not qualify a girl to like you. Exactly. But I also saw it. Yes. From the, 
okay, he's secretly been in love with his best friend his whole life, and now... Because they kept saying, like, how he didn't have, like, a partner that they knew of in any way. Right. Yeah, he was never connected to anyone in college. Like, he was kind of the odd man out of their group that wasn't with anyone. Yes. And so, yeah, I could see it going either way. But it was just so odd that he was like, I know this special spot. Yeah. I don't know. It just creeped me. I mean, the whole thing creeped me out. But Yeah. So... Yeah, she's trying to, like, bargain for her life and her baby's life at this point and trying to, like, get a confession um, the whole time. And because she's like, why did you, like, at this point, I know you killed April. Why did you do it? And he's like, no, no, this is not, like, a Bond villain confession scene. Like, I'm not going to do this. Mm-hmm. And which I was like, okay, yeah, that is very tropey if he, like, is about to kill her and confesses why right. he did it. But... um. He but doesn't tell- he kind of go backwards of like, okay, if you know I, how I did it, like, tell me how. And so she's yes. the one yeah. that says. Yeah, not why, but the how. Right. So the how was that the whole, the whole thing started as one of April's pranks. Because she had caught on, April had caught on to Will and Hannah, like, Making not even other. yeah like having a vibe they yeah kissed one time but that was it they never talked about it again they never like physically crossed that line again yeah but i guess as hugh put it like the whole group knew the whole group could see you two making eyes yeah and it made april mad so she had cooked up this whole plan to scare hannah and pretend to be dead or pretend to be attacked in their room and that Hugh would be the one to kind of lead Hannah up there to let her find April, scare the crap out of her, and then, oh, it's this big joke. Which, like, how awful. What a horrible joke yeah. to play on someone. Oh, To, t- to go to that, like, I would be salty enough if I just walk in and she would have, like, jumped out behind the door. Like, that would have scared the crap out of me. But to come in and actually look like you have been attacked. Yes. Well, that's the whole thing is Hannah had been, like, thinking back on all the pranks. And she's like, aside from the window one, like, her very first week, she never pulled one on me. And she thought it was just because they were best friends. Mm -hmm. But this was, like, the ultimate betrayal to April was they were making eyes at each other and she could see, she could read people really well. And they were like, oh yeah, we all saw that you and Will were interested in each other, but Will was with April. But then I'm like, you have no room to talk, April, because you have been sleeping with Ryan the entire year. Yeah. So what, like, no, you don't, you don't get to be jealous. You don't get to be mad about this because you have been doing worse behind his back. Yes. Um, and yeah I don't know that just that bothered me I like I said I never really liked April's character she was just kind of the spoiled rich kid like I felt sorry for her but I didn't like her it seemed like a week like you said like I still wouldn't have understood it but it would have been a little more justified if it had been Hannah and Will sleeping around behind her back yeah but for just them like having a flirty vibe yeah no that I'm that's sorry, not no. yeah absolutely not so 
the prank goes off as planned and Hannah is up there freaking out and she doesn't realize that at that point April's still alive. So she yeah. calls for Will or for Hugh. He runs up and he's saying, go, go out, go find help, call 911, get out of here. Cause she's just like screaming at this point. Yeah. And he's doing CPR. And then when Hannah goes downstairs to go find help, Hugh strangles April. Mm-hmm. And because she's like, putting this all together. Yeah. But the one thing that we never really got clarification on is why. And this is where I kind of went with like the secretly gay for Will thing. Like he's trying to finish off, like get rid of Will's problem. Uh-huh. But it just seems so weak to me because like we find why? out why no i don't think because yeah, i think do. she wants to ask him and he doesn't say anything we find out at the end the very okay, very why? end why was it so they she had mentioned you know hugh had been struggling and oh yeah yeah and but that doesn't seem like good enough reason to me like no 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 but he had been struggling in school everyone emily even kind of questioned like why he was here and if he would make it and april had previously just casually in an offhand comment mentioned one of her friends who would take the entrance exam for the medical students and it turns out that april had hooked hugh up with that person because it was his parents' big dream, and they saved and they worked hard to send him to Oxford. And so he really wanted to get in and not let them down, but he didn't think he could do it on his own. So he paid her friend to take what they called the BMAT, which is the entrance exam. And mm-hmm. April held it over him the whole time. She's like, oh, I'm going to tell people, I'm going to tell people. And um Hugh's dad was a general practice doctor and so he stole his prescription pad and would write April prescriptions essentially like for Adderall I think right and it was supposed to be kind of like a one or two time deal but throughout the year she just kept holding it over his head and demanding more and more and more and I think she'd like get it for her friends she always had the pills around and that's how she did everything that's how she did the play and partied and got her essays done because she didn't need to sleep. She just kept taking the Adderall. So I think Hugh, already, you know, a disturbed human, um, snapped that she kept holding it over him and saw this as his chance to kind of, like, get out from under her, you know, the power just... that she had over him. It is weak. You don't yeah, kill that somebody felt over weak that. To but... me, because then I'm like... How would that have solved anything, I guess? I don't know. Because then I'm like, that still doesn't solve the problem of Will not being able to make it on his own, which I guess he does. And that's a whole other issue of like, okay, how did this man continue as a doctor if he was not smart enough to take the entrance exams on his own? Right. But then... After April's death, they kind of let everybody, like, that whole group of friends through school kind of easy because they felt bad for him. And there wasn't, like, the whole, like, mental health thing that was, like, their 
their way of quote unquote taking care of them after was they kind of just let them breeze through the rest of the years because they all admitted that they were like mm-hmm. yeah afterward it was like chin up and you'll pass your exams or something and I think I don't know if Hugh knew that or kind of counted on that happening so that he could kind of breeze through the rest of school but very very weak reason um but yeah it that, just didn't obviously he was like a disturbed person right yeah uh, and his whole thing, like, he planted the suspicion of Will being in the other room, like, coming back early. Because he thought that was one person that Hannah wouldn't go after. Yeah, he thought she'd just let it be. Which, it's like, I mean, maybe she should have. And we've both said, like, had better evidence against your husband before you make that claim. But it's yeah. also, like, how could – if you truly do think that someone killed your friend, like, how would you not want to keep going right. no matter who it is? So – I wouldn't want to live with a killer if I thought. I would never yeah. get past that. Exactly. Um. So, yeah. Weak reason to kill April there, Hugh. But – um, you know, that she discovers that later, but they're still at this point, you know, they're still on the clifftop and will, you know, she, he's going to make her jump, make it look like a suicide um, to kind of clear his name because, you know, the whole, he was like, it's the perfect circumstance, right? You know, John Neville died. Everything's coming back up about April. You're suspecting your husband. You just had a fight with him. Now mm-hmm. you're going to come commit suicide and it's going to clear my name entirely. But then Will shows up. He was on the other end of the line the whole time. And he had been following her, you know, subtle directions. And he shows up. And there's, like, a scuffle. Hugh turns out to have a gun. And, you know, Will's trying to save Hannah and his unborn baby. And like I said, there's a scuffle. Um, and you just it, the chapter kind of ends with like two shots rang out and Will slumps over and like Hannah mm-hmm. screamed over and then the next chapter you like jump to a funeral I was like it's not Will's funeral it's not his it can't be his she's going to Hughes and it turns out again I was right no <laughs> yeah and um she I was gonna be mad if it was Will's I was gonna yeah be like, after all that no. yeah so she ends up going to Hugh's funeral which was big of her but I think just to kind of put on airs because she goes in Will's honor as well because Will was shot that night but he's recovering in the hospital and I think it kind of brings her some closure as well mm-hmm. um, to go to Hugh's funeral and like see his parents there because like how can, can you imagine this being your kid um, but Afterwards, she goes to the hospital to see Will. Will is a bigger person than me and is holding no grudge against the fact that That's she accused what... him of murder. Yeah, I needed that conversation of, like, uh, yeah. their first initial, like, no, like conversation was... after yeah. of how could you have thought I did it? Yeah, no, they just moved on. He was like, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, and he's super, like lovey towards her yes because she's t- just kind of like oh okay this is great versus me i'd be like every chance i got i'm so sorry i thought you yes. killed her like yes. i would 
not be able to let it go because I would feel so bad about thinking that about my husband. Absolutely. And he's just like, oh, it's fine. We're all it's good. Fine. I'm glad yeah. you're safe. <laughs> like, no, no, sir. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember texting you saying, like, is it Will? Is it Will? Could it be Will? Like, that's too easy. And then I followed it up with, like, if it's not Will, this could be real awkward for their marriage. And it yes. turned out to not be him. And they just moved on. But I mean, she gets the closure. She figures out it was from, you know, April kind of holding it over. Hugh to get those prescriptions all year. And I guess he finally snapped to mm-hmm. the ultimate degree. Um, and she kind of moves on with her life. And the the podcaster who had been in contact with her sporadically throughout, you know, her the reinvestigation, I guess, um, said that they were going to do a podcast about April's life, not necessarily like about her murder anymore. And Mm -hmm. if she wanted to be a part of it, that she could always come and, you know, speak on her behalf. But she kind of says, I don't want to be a part of this. I put this behind me. I'm only looking forward, you know, good luck with the podcast. And she listens to like the opening um, thread of the podcast and kind of puts everything behind her and, Mm -hmm moves on and yeah that's it that was the it girl (laughs) yeah and it was wild ride wild ride wild ride and like I don't know the ending like I liked but I also I don't know didn't it wasn't it was ending but a weak reason yeah like the motive Weak enough that I clearly didn't even remember it because I was like, that just doesn't make sense. Like, that doesn't track to me. Yeah. Yeah. Of a crime of passion, like, for that. I would just, I could have, it could have been built up more on Hugh's end. Because I didn't trust him because he was too nice. And mm-hmm. I was like, there's got, like, this guy's hiding something. I don't know. Like, I thought he was kind of like the long shot the nice guy ended up being the murderer but Mm -hmm. I would have liked to see more of a build-up or he kind of came out of nowhere right she pointed Mm -hmm. the finger at everybody in the group except for Hugh because there was really no evidence to back up that he would snap to that degree but I think that's kind of how like how she gets you by it yeah. is the person you don't think of. And I looked back at our texts from when we were shooting theories. And there was one where we both, well, we both at one point said something about the teacher. And we're like, yeah, that's gross. But then there was one where we, I think I texted you like, what if Neville was the one that April was sleeping with? Yes, I had that and too. Yeah, you were like, I know, I thought of that. And I was like, that is so gross. So I was waiting for it to be something like that. Yeah. It, but. it went in a completely different direction, um, which was good. Like, it was a, it was a yeah. twist for sure. But And there were so many possibilities with yes. this. Like, that speaks to her write, Ruth Ware's writing style that she can kind of put you in so many directions until your head is scrambling and you don't know what to believe or what's true. Yeah. But... Yeah. yeah, but I think it was a solid introduction to Ruth Ware for me. 
Um, I really enjoyed it. I really like her writing style. I'm excited to see what her other books are about and kind of have in store. Because I will definitely be reading more of hers. Definitely. We'll have to maybe keep one of hers in mind for, like you said, spooky season. Because they all have that kind of vibe and, you know, bone chilling. Like we got a couple times with the creep factor from these different characters. So... Well, thank you all for listening. I think that about wraps up this episode. As always, it's turned into a long one that we don't ever expect. We didn't say it it was not going to be long this time. but There was a lot to unpack on this one, yeah. There is a lot. There's a lot of different threads and moving parts. But we still left some things, as always. There's so much to discover. Still more that we... Didn't we, talk about or that we did a roundabout way of explaining that's more developed in the book. If we had done like a true deep dive, oh my gosh, this would be like a three hour episode. <laughs> yes. So definitely pick up this book if you're looking for a thriller whodunit type book and let us know what you think. If you read it or have read it, you can find us on Instagram at Life and Lit Pod where we announce our books, talk about all the things we're reading, all of our book content. You can send us an email at lifeandlitpod at gmail.com. And as always, be sure to subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to and leave us a review because that really helps us get our podcast out there for other people. And share it, tag us, tell your friends about it. We love seeing the interactions that we get on social media from you guys, so... That's really fun. And we will be back next week with another new release that we're both excited about. So. I'm so excited for this one. It's by one of our favorite authors. So, you know, it's I'm excited good. for you to read it. I've, I'm somehow no. very ahead for this month and I've already read what we're doing. So yeah, now I'm like, I'm okay, very I need- impressed. I'm I know not that, that. Never happens. I'm not on top of it. I've been reading, so I had I have like another book that I've been reading at the same time as all of these. So yeah, I never usually happens, but somehow it has this month. So I'm super excited to talk about our next pick. So tune in next week for that. And as always, happy reading. Happy reading. Mm-hmm.